All right, all right, all right. Well, go ahead and uh, find your seats. Uh, again, happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there, and uh, we are so grateful for you. I think uh, one thing that our society and our culture doesn't do a good enough job of is celebrating and elevating dads uh, in our culture. So if you are a dad, will you just stand up for just a second? We want to honor you. I know. Do it again. I'm sorry, Gerald. Yeah. <clears throat> We, uh, we appreciate you, we love you, and evidently, according to the video, you, you can go ahead and take a seat, uh, we are best known because of our dad jokes. And uh, I heard of a single dad recently that was at a bar and he found a very attractive woman and he went up to her and his pickup line was, hey, if COVID doesn't take you out, can I? <laughs> so what a, what a way to, to lead in there. <laughs> Hey, if you're uh, tuning in online right now or you're here for the very first time, we're really glad uh, that you're with us. Uh, no matter where you've come from, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we want you to know here at Adventure that you are welcome here and uh, there is no past so far gone that you can't be accepted here at, uh, at Adventure, be a part of uh, this community. And so if they let me speak, you're welcome here, okay? That's just, that's just true. Hey, I want to uh, just tell you that uh, our lead pastor, Brad, is on uh, vacation right now. Uh, he is spending some much-needed time away uh, rejuvenating and connecting with his family. And I don't know about you, but I love being a part of a church that prioritizes the health and wellness of, of our senior pastor, of our lead pastor. And so I just want to encourage you to be praying for Brad, Christie and their boys as they're uh, on this time away and knowing that Brad's going to come back better than ever and uh, just be praying that God's going to uh, continue to instill in him vision for the direction and future of our church because uh, as our senior leader goes, there goes the church as well. And so uh, just be praying for he and Christy and their boys on this time away. And again, it's just, it's really unique to be part of a church that elevates the health of, of the senior leader like that. And so uh, be praying for him. Uh, we're going to continue this series that Brad kicked off a couple weeks ago called uh, Uncanceled. And this term is something that all of us are familiar with today. All right, cancel kind of means that uh, somebody has said something, somebody has done something that automatically disqualifies them from any kind of, any kind of relationship. Uh, our culture loves to cancel people that have messed up. It's a self-sabotaging way of kind of enacting justice on individuals who have wronged others. But if we, if we take a step back, okay, and if culture is our measure, and if we're honest with ourselves, we've all done and said something, we've all done things and said things that could cause us to be canceled. All right, I'm on top of that list. None of us are disqualified from this. None of us get a pass here. And, and as we've seen in this series, though, Jesus specializes in canceling cancel culture. Right? He uncancels the messy people that have been thrown to the curve. Let me say it like this. It's impossible to say or do something that would cause Jesus to cancel us. All right, as a dad, no matter how many times my kids may disobey, no matter how many times they push the envelope or uh, how often they talk back regardless of their attitudes, do you know how many times I've just written them off and canceled them? Zero. None. It's, it's never going to happen. 
And today's story is no different. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, I want you to go ahead and turn to the uh, book of John. We're going to be in chapter 4 today. All right, John is towards the very back of the Bible. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, okay? And uh, John is a biography about Jesus. It was written by uh, Jesus' best friend, a guy by the name of John. Very good. You're smart, okay? You're with me. It was written by a guy named John. And throughout this, throughout this account, John records different stories, okay, of Jesus uncanceling people of meeting messy people right where they were at, people that were sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, people that culture had thrown to the curb, and Jesus meets them right where they're at and uncancels them. And today's story is about a woman that Jesus happens to meet. Pick up with me in uh, verse 1. Here's what we read. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees, who were essentially like religious leaders, pastors back in the first century, When the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples, more followers than John, who was Jesus' cousin, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Okay, so Galilee was kind of home base for him, and he had to pass through Samaria. This is really interesting. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. All right, so picture this scene with me for for just a moment, okay? Jesus is on the road with his closest friends, his closest followers, and he's headed back to Galilee. All right, now why did John write that he had to go through Samaria? He had to go through this city called Sychar. Well, maybe because someone had been canceled in that town and it just wasn't sitting too well with Jesus. Now realize that, that most upstanding first century Jews would have avoided Samaria. The Jews had essentially canceled the Samaritans because they viewed them as kind of half-breeds who had defiled their faith. And the Samaritans had essentially degraded their religion. And so not only would passing through Samaria, through Sychar, force Jesus and his followers to interact with Samaritans, people that had been canceled, but... They would have been forced to support their economy through the purchase of essential items on their road trip. And so what we see here is Jesus is in the middle of the day, and he camps out right beside a well, and he's exhausted, he's thirsty from traveling all day. Take a look at what happens next in verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Verse 8, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. There they are supporting the local economy. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me? A woman of Samaria, for the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Now it's tough for us to imagine how shocking this scene was. All right, back in this culture, men did not associate with women out in public. This is offensive, but it's true. Women were viewed just a little bit higher than dogs back in this day. And so if you were a man that cared about your honor, that cared about your reputation in any way, shape, or form, you just didn't associate, you didn't converse, you didn't talk with women out in public. And so Jesus is sitting at this well, okay? It's in the middle of the day, and he's having this conversation with a Samaritan woman. As we'll see here in a second, Jesus takes things to a deeper level. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and this well is very deep. Where do you get that living water? Okay, like many of us, this woman was searching for meaning and significance in life. Right, the choices that she had made prior to this moment was evidence of that. It's kind of like that old U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Do, do, you know, do you know what it feels like to be empty? I mean, don't you know what it's like to pursue something or someone only to find out that it really wasn't what you thought it was going to be? You, you got the job, maybe you got the promotion, you got the degree, you bought the car, you live in the neighborhood, you have the ring, now what? Now what? And while there may be some level of satisfaction with what we own or accomplish, at the end of the day, there has to be more to life. There has to be more than just playing Barbies in a Barbie house and imagining that we're going to grow up and all of a sudden live this idealistic life. Verse 13, verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Right, right here she admits that she wants this living water that only Jesus can offer and provide. Now, living water, it represents the kind of refreshment, okay, that can only happen once we've been connected back to our creator, and, and yet what so often happens is our thirst for this living water drives us to dead and stagnant water, dead and stagnant water that, that the world offers. And then Jesus points that the one thing that she was leaning her life on, that there was still something that she was finding her identity in that wouldn't ultimately satisfy and that wouldn't ultimately save, and, and Jesus is about to expose that right here. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you know what, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have, in other words, the guy that you're living with now is not your husband, what you have said is true. Now, I want you to pay attention to the number of men in this woman's life, okay, she had five husbands plus the guy that she's living with. That equals number six. Now, oftentimes throughout Scripture, numbers are very significant. And so we've got to pay attention to that right here. Throughout the Bible, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, the number seven, it is referred to sometimes as God's number because it represents wholeness, completeness, holiness, and so what Jesus is in essence saying here is that only I can complete you. So you have five husbands, you're living with a guy, let me be number seven. Let me complete you because that wholeness that you are pursuing, that satisfaction that you ultimately want can only be found in me and me alone. I mean, after all, don't we all strive for wholeness? Pick up with me in verse 23. But the hour is coming and is here now 
When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And so right here in this moment, Jesus unveils his identity to this woman. He tells her that he is that long-awaited Messiah. Now, by acknowledging that she knew the Messiah was coming, we can assume that she came from a religious household. In other words, this woman grew up in church. or She had a baseline knowledge of, of spiritual things. And so the question is, what happened? I mean, how do you grow up knowing what's right and true to becoming a hot mess? I mean, she knew better. She she was raised better than that. Her life choices weren't because she lacked knowledge. I mean, you can't pull that card with her. But like a lot of our stories, she grew up in church, but she didn't necessarily grow up in Christ. She she fell away. She, She forgot who she was, and she allowed other men to label her, to identify her. And doesn't that sound familiar to some of us? I mean, you knew better, but you got addicted. You you knew better, but you ended up sleeping with him. You you knew better, but ended up filling the blank with what your story looks like. Now, the common pattern that we all battle and face on a daily basis is exchanging living water for dead water. More than telling you what you ought to do, We need to be reminded of who we are. Only Jesus has the right to tell us who we are. Look at verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. They were shocked. They were dismayed. They couldn't believe it. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They were kind of afraid to mention something about it. And so the woman left her water jar, pay attention to that, she left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did, can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. We're later told that many people in this town came to follow Jesus because of this woman's testimony. Now, here's the thing that I want us to latch on to. It's going to sound like a cheesy bumper sticker. It's going to sound like a bookmark that you might buy in a Christian bookstore. Just bear with me, okay? But it goes like this. Only Jesus can make a message out of our mess. Only Jesus can take our mess, in other words, and produce a a message, Did you notice what John said she did after her interaction with Jesus? She left her water jar behind. So in other words, she forgot and she let go of the one thing that was driving her to be at the well to begin with. This was a prized possession for her. You see, the entire reason why she went to the well in the middle of the day is because she wanted to avoid people. Nobody was out at this time. You wouldn't draw water at the well in the middle of the day in this culture and in this place because it was just too hot. And so we know that this woman lived in shame. Everyone avoided being outside during the hottest part of the day. And so she literally had timed when she retrieved water so that she could avoid the glare, so she could avoid the pointing. Her society had canceled her, had given up on her, concluded her, concluded that she was too far gone. I mean, after all, her mess disqualified her from dignity. 
Shame literally controlled her life. And so is it possible that she simply had forgotten who she was? But not with Jesus. Let me say it like this. Nobody is too far gone to be canceled by Jesus. All right, I don't care what your shame tells you. All right, nobody is too far gone to be canceled by Jesus. All right, think about it like this. If anybody had a right to cancel us, it'd be Jesus. After all, he was perfect. He was sinless. Our sin sent him to the cross, and yet here's the truth. The one thing that you think disqualifies you from Jesus is actually the very reason why he came and died. And so what is that for you? All right, what's the one thing that you think God holds over your head? All right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to end the talk a little bit differently, all right? Happy Father's Day. We're going to get out of here early. Don't get used to it, all right? (laughs) Brad's coming back. (laughs) I'm going to end this talk by asking some questions, and I want you just to take an inventory of where you're at in life, of where, where your heart is, and what I mean by heart is heart is that part of you that drives your decisions, your feelings, and your thoughts, because is it possible that some of us have been living our lives based off of a lie? We're pursuing living water, but instead we're settling with dead, stagnant water. All right, here's the first question. Ask yourself, what do I really want for myself? What do I really want for myself? I want to be, what is it that you want to be? I want to have... What is it that that you want to have? I want to know that I am. And however you'd answer those questions is proof that you want something good for your life, that you're striving for that living water. But I know a lot of us, we have settled for dead, stagnant water. Here's the second question. Do you think that what you want to be, have, or know lines up with what God wants you to be, have, or know? Do you think that what you want to be, have, or know lines up with what God wants you to be, have, or know? And then if you had those things, track with me here, if you had those things, how would that make you feel? All right, if you had what you wanted, what, what would you have then that you maybe don't have right now? And, and if you had that, what do you feel would be true about you then that's not true right now? Here's the next question. What message is saying that you can't have it? In other words, what tapes are playing in your mind right now saying you don't deserve that? Some people, some other people deserve it, but you are far beyond grace. People like you have already blown it and you don't deserve it. And so what message is saying that you don't, you can't have it? Now, wouldn't you agree wouldn't you agree that if you were to look back over your life, past, present, and probably future, that our biggest regrets, by regrets I mean, boom, can I have that back? Can I have last Friday back? Can I have college back? Can I have my first marriage back? Wouldn't it be great if God gave us a magic rewind button? Wouldn't you agree that the biggest regrets come from a place where your heart felt something that wasn't true? You believed something that wasn't real so you did something that didn't help. Anybody else? That's why we say no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, you're welcome here. Because none of us have this figured out. 
But you know, a huge theme throughout the Bible, the biographies of Jesus more specifically, is that Jesus would walk up to somebody and say, hey, buddy, you did the best that you could. It, it makes sense why you did that. It makes sense why, why you went there. But get up off the mat. I, I'm here with you now. I'll, I'll show you what a whole abundant life looks like. I, I'm not going anywhere. I haven't canceled you, but it's time you get up off the mat and you link up life with me and let me show you what a whole abundant true life looks like because maybe then we can move from broken and untrue to whole and peaceful. We can move from dead and stagnant water to the living water that Jesus offers and provides. You see, Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. And Jesus, Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. What would change, what would change if some of us actually started to believe that? Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you that it's true know our sin, but you call us by our name. Only you have the right to give us our identity. And a lot of our lives may be worthy of being canceled because we've all made mistakes. We've all said things. We did things. We have regrets. And yet your offer is to exchange the dead and stagnant water that maybe some of us have built our lives upon you offer the living water that leads to wholeness, peace, abundant, true life. I'm grateful for every dad in here, and I pray that today we could just celebrate dads. And we wish you a happy Father's Day because you're our one true dad who will never disappoint us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.